Down to Business with Bobby Kerr. Brought to you by Bank of Ireland on News Talk. Now, continuing our chat with some of this year's finalists here in Singapore as part of the EY Entrepreneur of the Year annual CEO retreat, I want to turn now to the subject of food and indeed food inflation. A number of this year's finalists are doing great things in the food space and have keen insights into how the food landscape is actually looking. I'm delighted now to be joined by Jer Killian from The Lunch Bag, Tom Kyo from Kyo's Crisps, and Michael McCambridge from McCambridge's Bread and Bakery. You're all very welcome to the programme, guys. Thank you. Um, Thanks, I might start with you, Jar. Um, firstly, if you'd tell us who you are and a little bit about your business. Um, how you doing, Bobby? My name is Jer, and myself and my business partner, Ray, are here um, representing The Lunch Bag. So we are Ireland's first uh, school meal provider for non-DESH schools. So parents can download our app, order their lunch from over 1,900 different combinations, and we deliver it to the classroom the next day in compostable packaging. That sounds absolutely breathtakingly fantastic. So just so I can get my head around this. So you're working out in Nina in a, I think you're in the old Dawn Meats plant there. And you're, so if I'm in a school in Sligo uh, and my son or daughter comes home and says they'd like uh, an apple juice, a sandwich with ham in it, uh, you can take that order as late as 12... We're actually moving it to four o'clock. So as late as four o'clock the previous day, and my Johnny or Mary will have his sandwich and his apple juice uh, the next day. Correct. Well, uh, hopefully there'll be a bit more adventurous than that now, Bobby. <laughs> but um, so, basically, <laughs> so basically, um, what would happen is the school signs up with us, so we would sell to the school. In that, we um, would approach the school to see if they're interested in having the service, yeah. and if they are, well, then we will, I suppose, market to the parents. Then, and we would have. On average, regardless of demographics, regardless of county towns land, we have a 78% download in a school. Um, and we're currently now, we're only in production, I suppose, 120 weeks because of COVID and whatnot. Um, but we would have, like, a, 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 our uptake in the schools. One in four children in Ireland can now order from us. Wow. And just before we bring in our other guests, Jar, one other very important point is you're actually paid before the sandwich leaves the depot in, 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 in Nina. Is that, is that also the case? Uh, uh, absolutely. So parents would up, upload their money to uh, like an online account to, our, uh, to their app yeah. and then the money deducts from that. So we give them little notifications when we feel like they're running a bit too low on their credit and then they can either manually top up or automatically top up. So yeah. We're, we're paid before it goes out the door. These are business models I really, really like. Let's bring in our next guest now. He's Michael McCambridge from McCambridge's Bread. Michael, you're very welcome to the programme. Thank you, Bobby. Good now, Michael, you're around a long time. Uh, it's a great business. Uh, remind our listeners about you and your business, if you would. Well, we're a family business and originated in Rendell, County, Dublin. Um, we've narrowed our product range right down to really specialise on Irish whole wheat bread and really using good Irish ingredients Unusually, we're using Irish flour, which is uh, unusual for a bakery of our size, and we get it from Port Arlington, which is close to us, and our lovely fresh Irish buttermilk. So we're combining the best of Irish ingredients to make high quality and now really healthy bread. People are looking at fibre and considering what they're putting into their bodies, so our product is well-placed. In addition to that, we've started a few years ago bringing a gluten-free version of our whole wheat bread to the marketplace, and that's the number one selling gluten-free unit in the marketplace off the supermarket shelves and we're wow. the, the celiacs are now able to enjoy the a taste of high quality bread without having wheat in it yeah 
you're a great example, Michael, of a business that's focused on one thing and stuck with the knitting over the years. Just tell me a little bit about the thought process and the psychology behind that. Well, we originally were a, a, a fine food retailer with a manufacturing kitchen behind it. And back in the old days, we were making everything. And, um, I remember the ice cream. Do you remember that? Yeah, we made real Irish ice cream, you know, honey and ginger. We made a lovely uh, brown bread ice cream. Um, but uh, my father looked at it and felt that he'd be more effective becoming a manufacturer rather than a retailer in the in the tough 80s. Um, so the shop was shut down. We continued making product and sold it to likes of Fergal Quaid and Quinsworth and, and done stores. As you're doing that and getting into scale, you, you're in one part of your building, you're freezing a product. Another yeah. part of the building, you're heating a product. So yeah. you really got to get into what you do well and pick what you do well. The strategy was to get into a real Irish ice cream with all the lovely dairy we have in Ireland. But actually the bread was something which people recognised from their past as kids in their country homes and, and kitchens and they were able to buy this really high quality uh, brown bread which was made from a recipe that my grandmother had genuinely without changing it and being delivered to the fresh the shops every day in a convenient pack yeah. and that's helped us drive our business on uh, we've some more business now and starting to get some business overseas through amazon.com in a, a bread kit so people can very easily recreate the irish soda bread by cambridge in singapore for example no way yep well okay that's great and our third guest is uh, Tom Kyo from Kyo's Chris. Tom, uh, you're very welcome to the programme. We've heard two wonderful stories here. You're going to top that, I'm sure. Tell us about Kyo's Crisps and, and your business now. Good morning, Bobby. Yes, so uh, Kyo's, we're, we're a family business based out in North County, Dublin. Three main business areas. Firstly, there's the farming end, so we, we grow a lot of potatoes out, out in North County, Dublin. That's Potato Growing Central. We also have the fresh produce business where we, we wash and prepare potatoes for the retailers and, and the markets around Ireland. Uh, a lot of them are sold under, under the Kyo brand. And then you have the snack food business, uh, Kyo's Crisps, which uh, I set up in 2011. And uh, that's uh, you know very popular brand brand in Ireland. Uh, we're about thirteen percent market share, and we export to about twenty countries all around the world as as far afield as as here in Singapore. Yeah, yeah. yeah. wonderful story. And again, you you say you set up in was it two thousand and eleven? Yes. Yeah. And you you know you entered a quite a crowded market a uh, market that really was owned by a very few players. Uh, and you managed, as you say now, to build a 13% market share as well as the overseas stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's, 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 an, it's an extremely competitive marketplace in snack foods. Uh, it's dominated by, you know, uh, multinational players. We were actually the, the only Irish-owned manufacturer and brand of crisps in the Republic of Ireland. Yeah, and we're, we're carving out that market share percentage by percentage every year. Yeah, mm. A lot, of, a lot of hard work there, and uh, well, listen. I wanted to talk to the three of you, if we could. And we're in Singapore; it's a wonderful environment. We're learning lots, but we've heard huge debate about uh, food inflation, and we see it ourselves in the shopping basket every week. And I, I just thought, as as three food producers and manufacturers, that you might have some thoughts on this. And again, maybe back to you, Jar, about. Uh, the cost base, managing it, trying to be competitive in what's a relatively new market in schools to make sure that you are competitive with your pricing um, when you're facing a barrage of cost increases. Just tell us a little bit about the challenges around that. Well, I suppose 
actually food inflation for retailers is almost a good thing for us because there is no way a parent could give their children a wide and varied diet every day in schools if they were to go into a shop and buy it. It's yeah. just substantial cost and food waste. Um, you know, we're turning out 1.1 million tonnes of food waste in this country as well. Um, whereas with us, they can have five different products, five different lunches over five days for the same price as if they were to buy one lunch and run it out for the whole week. So for us, it's been a benefit. But definitely a challenge coming now is like the likes of eggs going up and chicken going up and grains going up, you know. Um, we're quite fortunate in the fact that we can pass on costs to parents if we needed to. We haven't had to right now because we are, I suppose, uh, we are able to provide for so many, we buy for so many and we're able, it's cheaper, more makes more sense to buy from us than it is to make your own individual lunches. And is there very, is there a lot of flexibility in your pricing model? So if, if the price of ham goes up by 20 cents a kilo, can you move quickly to, to get that back at the other side? So we would work quite hard, I suppose, to nail down prices for the year and lock suppliers in as much as possible as yeah. we can for the year ahead, which means that our parents that use us, they're safe for the year and they know what their price is going to be, they know the cost is going to stay stagnant. But definitely now this year we're going to have to look at, I suppose, in September, adjusting those prices based on the agreements we're going to have with suppliers now as we go into these months of negotiation. Yeah. yeah. Michael, you mentioned uh, the importance of using Irish flour and sometimes you have to weigh up, you know, what's more important when? Um, and there's always a time when price can dominate, where somebody says, you know, it's great that it's Irish, but I'm not going to pay 50 cents more mm. a loaf for it. Yeah. What's your thinking around those around that? On the flower dynamic, um, it's interesting. Uh, no matter what happens with the Irish harvest, um, the market will follow the global price. And in, in our case, it's, it's set in Paris. Um, right. So we're not really looking at how much flour the Irish guys are producing. We'll just be dictated by the millers as to what's happening with the French or Chicago pricing. Okay. Right. Uh, what we're inter interested in is the Irish quality flour for our specific bread. So it's no ex uh, accident that Irish bread developed in Ireland because of the flour we have. Yeah. So it's not a virtue to use it. It can become one, it's low food miles, but also it's supporting Irish tillage farmers and they're not getting a lot of support at the moment. So for us, that's part of our overall pack mix. Um, in terms of spot pricing specifically and you know, what we've done about it, price elasticity is a big issue or it's a big focus in our business. So we want to make sure our product is, remains the leading and growing brand in our space, but also remains the most affordable product for uh, the customers looking to buy brown bread. So price passing on is the last tool in our box. Right. Okay. Um, and we'll try to do everything within our business to mitigate uh, price increases. Um, and, and one of the things we would do inside is, is every Tuesday we run a lean program in our business, which is project driven, trying to take cost out before we go outside the doors of our business to ask for cost increases from our trade customers. You're also dealing with the multiples, yeah. um, and again, you know, sometimes when you're in that space and it's a, they're big, important customers to you, um, and they have a price strategy, and then you may be selling to, you know, a, a smaller uh, individual uh, grocery shop or whatever it might be that might have a different pricing strategy. As the producer of the product, does it concern you sometimes that you're not in control of the end price? 
Yes, because um, you're looking at the category and how the category performs. And at the end of the day, I want people to buy to eat more Irish bread. Yeah. If they eat more Irish whole wheat bread, they'll eat more McCambridge bread. So uh, we have to be very, very clear in, in our space, myself and Tom, that we do not talk about retail prices. That's none of our business. Yeah. We certainly would have a concern about where they are set, but that is at the sole discretion of the retailer, and that's the law. So we don't and can't have any conversation about retail in meetings. We, we set our price, probably knowing where the, our customers want to set their price and hope that that is set at the price that makes it um, the price elasticity as good as possible and yeah. that keeps customers keep buying it. So it's a very delicate balance, Bobby. I'm interested to hear your views on this, Tom, again, as somebody who has multiple sales channels. Like Michael, you, a big part of your customer base would be with uh, the big grocery chains. So It would be, yes. And, and obviously, you know, the, the Irish consumer base is where we, where, where we, where we make our, our, core, our core business. Um, but it, I suppose we're, we're at a huge competitive advantage in, in our position as a family business because we actually grow our raw material. Yeah. You know, it's a huge competitive advantage. Yes, there's been huge increases in the cost of fertilizer, about 300%. Um, the cost of electricity to store our potatoes has gone through the roof. And also, obviously, the, the price of sunflower oil. We, we use a really high, high quality sunflower oil to cook our crisps in. That comes from the Ukraine and south of France. So, you know, the prices there went up three, four hundred percent. So we've dealt with massive uh, fluctuations in cost prices over, over, over the last year. Uh, but we haven't put any price increases out to the market yet. And just as, as Michael said, it's the last thing you do. We're, we're very lucky in that during the pandemic, the Irish consumer supported our business hugely and our volume grew through that. And we're using those efficiencies of scale to help keep our cost of production down to try help not put these price increases out to the Irish market. Obviously, you watch uh, the competitive landscape as well, Tom. So if you look at other uh, crisp brands, you know, do you have a sort of a, a, a mental policy in your own head that you want to stay, you know, either 20 cents up or 5 cents up or 10 cents below? In other words, when you look at the competition, yeah. do you have a, your eye on where you want to be in the, in the price chain? Uh, we, we do, yes, yeah. and you know, we entered the market 11 years ago as a, as a premium sharing product with premium Irish ingredients, you know, and we really do invest in that. So our, our price point is, is premium, both, both at home and overseas, and we have had to put price increases in overseas because not just the cost of the actual raw material of the product, logistics prices for us has been a massive impact into our business, especially into the American market in the, la in the last year, yeah. and we've had to put a number of price increases in over there just to try and mitigate the cost uh, increase in, in logistics. Well listen, uh, it's been a real eye-opener and, and just a revelation to be allowed into your, your world. I think the, the whole area around price, around you know margin, around inflation, it's just such a challenging space and it, you know, it occupies the thoughts and minds of most business leaders and I'm delighted and enthused to see that the three of you are no different. Thank you all very much for joining us and enjoy the rest of the trip out here in Singapore. Thank you, Bobby. Thank you, Bobby. Down to Business with Bobby Kerr. Brought to you by Bank of Ireland. Saturday morning at 11 on News Talk.